Welcome to episode 25 of Super Entertainment Presents the Trojan Crossover Universe on the Grand Guignol Network, coming to you from Castle Wolfenstein, hosted by the TBC crew. Joining me is crazy Ivan Shabowski, convention panelist and lover of cheese, and Chris Nigro, author and founder of Wild Hunt Press. I am Robert E. Roski, Jr., author of Horror Crossover Encyclopedia. We are the TVCU crew. James Boyachuk is still trapped in a pocket dimension somewhere. He should be joining us next week, though. Uh, the TVCU crew are a team of crossovers that devote way too much of their time to connecting the dots through official crossovers and Easter eggs in order to demonstrate a shared fictional reality that we call the television crossover universe. Uh, welcome, Ivan. Welcome, Chris. Yo. Howdy. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, it didn't occur to me until I just read it, even though I had typed it, that uh, this is episode 25. Uh, next week's episode will wrap up six months of of doing this show. I can't mm-hmm. believe it's been that long already. Oh, I regret being a Johnny-come-lately to the whole deal, but it's been awesome since I joined. Well, for me, that is. Did that sound narcissistic? I'm sorry. You know, Captain America was also a Johnny Come Lately to the Avengers in the comics, and they and they, and they yes, later he was. They made him a founding member. <laughs> okay, so I could be a founding member by proxy then. That's right. That's right. When we build that statue in front of TVCU Mansion, <laughs> yeah, we'll have you. Uh, but see, they only made Cap the founding member because, you know, the Hulk was kind of booted out, so we didn't boot anyone out to put me in, so, you know, I'm kind of different there if you think about it. Yeah. Well, we all, all right. think of you as kind of different, so that works. <laughs> I oh, Okay. Uh, yeah, I got that one. Anyway, um, well, hey, we could always, you know, invent uh, a fictional founder and boot him out and put me in, I guess. I mean, who will know, right? Are you saying you want to write the origin story for the TVCU crew? Yes, we could say the original founder was booted out because he never said anything, and see that'll cover our that'll cover our uh, rumps. Okay, but so I'm the original founder. <laughs> yeah, oh, you remember Tongueless Joe Walsh? Good old Tongueless. I miss him. Well, well, you know, James D. Lindsay was invited to be on our show once. And he declined. So, <laughs> would decline being on this show? Well, he had to work. Ah, okay. <laughs> I I tried to get him on for the Simon R. Green episode, which is our first episode. Um, because Does anyone Lindsay Lohan to be on the show? Yeah. <laughs> I tried to get Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan is our Hulk. <laughs> well, so, um, I. Love to host her anytime. Yeah. So, um, James, what do you have for us? Well, let me put down my tea. Uh, <laughs> 18th Wall has something cool out today from an award-winning author. You should check it out. All right. Thank you, James. That was my, my <laughs> That was uncanny, man. Just like it was like you were here, right? <laughs> Just like it. Just like the X. That's what we're not joining us. <laughs> Ivan, how about you? What do you have to discuss or a plug or anything? Uh, no, I got nothing this time. All right. That was blunt. Chris, what do you, what do you, what do you have for us to contemplate or uh, whatever? Well, number one, 
Tree with the Bullet Anthology by Pro Se Press is still on sale now. Uh, and it has one of the three authors who contributed the story is me. And I'd like to remind everyone that that's a good enough reason to buy it, I think. But if not, Chuck Miller and David White have a story, too, so don't mind me. And number two, I think I may have told one of you, but I totally blasted a centipede off my wall with a can of Raid. It was epic. I hate those things. I hate those things. I, I blasted a centipede off my bedroom wall with a can of Raid, meaning I sprayed uh I sprayed some of the poison on it and knocked it off the wall. It looked like it was blasted off with the trajectory that it took when it fell. Is that, is that hard to visualize? Uh, do I have to go into <laughs> do I have to go into better detail? No, 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 that's good enough. Oh, okay. I thought I would mention it because, to quote my grandmother, when it comes to centipedes, I hate those frigs. Yeah, she actually said that. So um, today is good to know you come by your hatred of centipedes honestly. Uh, yeah, yeah, we did because the the, the the house they grew up in has been seems to have a lot of them every year around this time, and I don't like looking at something that resembles a thing that would appear in an H.P. Lovecraft story, even if on a miniature scale. I'm sorry. Okay, on behalf of the centipedes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should move on before before any of our centipede listeners are offended. But today is uh, May thirty first. Of course, well, that's when this is airing. Um, so JL May, as I've been talking about the last two weeks, is just wrapping up today. And uh, what that is is uh, eight, eight podcasts reviewing JLA Year One. Each each of these uh, is is reviewing one or two issues. Um, they're all really cool guys that know about comics, um, and they, uh, uh, they're funny, um, and their, their views are top-notch, and so you should check them out. Um, you have to, of course, look for them individually um, on iTunes, and they are Fire and Water, Power Fishnets, Waiting for Doom, Lantern Cast, Supermates, Idle Head of Diablo, uh, comic reflections and views from the long box. So you should check it out. Um, it's a fun, fun event, and uh, uh, I'm good friends with some of the guys over at Comic Reflections. Uh, actually, I'm hoping to have some of them on our show in the future. Uh, so uh, to talk comic crossovers. So that would be uh, a good thing to check out. And uh, let's see, it's May 31st um, from when the show is airing. That means uh, this weekend is Scarathon, or Scaracon, excuse me, in Springfield. Um, I don't know at the time of recording, which is May 14th, um, if we're going to be there or not officially. Um, Some of us might be there unofficially, but some of us might be there officially. Uh, We're still waiting to find out. But um, I definitely am planning on being there one way or the other. So... um, if you want to find us, you should go to Scarecon. And honestly, you should just go to Scarecon anyways because uh, it sounds like a lot of fun, and you know it's going to be a lot of celebrity guests. You should you should check it out on their website. Um, uh, they have a lot of nice celebrities going to be there, and it looks like it's going to be a blast. And um, 
so you should go anyways. Um, but the fact that I'm in walking around there is always a bonus because I'm awesome. <laughs> Are you going to be cosplaying as the Flash again this year? No, I was thinking of going as horror crossover encyclopedia author Robert E. Ronsky Jr. Hmm, interesting choice. Yeah, I'm still putting that costume together. <laughs> so we'll see how it comes out. I'd like to go as a ghost. Yeah. Just yeah. any ghost or, you know, the ghost who walks or what? I was just, well, the my, the last Halloween costume I made out of my sheets uh, looks pretty much like a generic ghost. So, yeah, that's what I'll be. You can attribute any name to it you want. If you wanted to be Casper, I'll be Casper. You want me to be um, Boston Brand, I'll be Boston Brand. So I, w- I will say if you go to our um, Facebook page, um, and I don't know if you guys knew this, but we have not just a Facebook group, but the actual television crossover universe Facebook page. Um, so if you go to facebook.com slash television crossover universe, um, I will announce when I know for sure um, if we will be at Scaricon officially or unofficially. So be sure to check that out. And be sure to check that out anyways, because if you listen to this podcast, you probably should speak our Facebook page. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm I'm going no matter what. Um, but it would, it, would, it would be really cool to, like, actually be part of it. But um, we'll see what happens. Um, Ivan, were you planning on going otherwise? Uh, there's a good chance that I will make the effort to get there. I can't say for sure yet, but I'm sure by the time this episode airs, I will know for sure, and I could reveal that information on the Television Crossover Universe Facebook page. Huh? Huh? Ah. See what I did there? And, uh, and uh, Chris, you were, you, you, were, you were planning a trip from Buffalo, weren't you? Are you still, uh, is that still in your plans? Um, I would, I would um, say ditto everything Ivan said. Uh, sans, uh, you know, putting it on the... Well, yeah, maybe I could put it on the Facebook page. I mean, I, just, I mean, I, you guys are celebrities now. You guys are celebrities. You have an obligation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, our lives are no longer our own. That's right. You, you have know, an obligation to keep... You should do a commercial, don't you think? One of those commercial things so that we can actually do the show and talk about crossovers? Does that mean now we have to be ducking all the paparazzi and all the women trying to come on to us and everything? Is that what this means? No, I haven't had the woman. Yes, Chris, problem. that's what it means. Ah, okay. <laughs> then I look forward to the to the woman and the paparazzi. Well, not so much the paparazzi, but you know what I mean. They could catch uh, me at an awkward moment, you know. Like I'm, they, still waiting you know, for the, I'm still waiting for the women to come after me and chase me and tear off my clothes. It hasn't happened yet. Well, you know, if that happened in public, that would ruin your costume, wouldn't it? Huh? Well, you well, said to talk about being in a costume, right? So if they tore that off of you, then, you know, wouldn't wouldn't you have to bill them, basically, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just saying, you know, I, I would think it's kind of, uh, but then they'd all want a piece of you. Just make sure no flesh come. hopefully no flesh will come off when they, you know, tear the clothes. Well, it, I it, will pay you the commercial. <laughs> It, it is Scaricon, uh, so, you know, it's supposed to be, like, horror. So, so if people, they, 
you just turn like what was an X body spray commercial into like a, a Dawn of the Dead <laughs> movie. <laughs> but it'll be no fun for you if you bleed out on the floor, and it'll be no fun for the janitor afterwards. So you know. You... All right. So um, let's go to commercial, and then we're going to come back. You can hear more of us talking. <laughs> so we'll be right back. And uh, I, I love when we don't have a guest sometimes because then we can just randomly talk about stuff. Like I just wanted everybody to know that I was just lip thinking. We've only just begun <laughs> from, the, from the commercial. Every time I hear that song, it makes me think of the movie 1408. Yeah? Anyone see that? John Cusack? Oh, yeah, yeah. No. From this day onward, I will always associate the Justice League of America with Karen Carpenter. Well, you know, yeah. because I listen to all of their podcasts, I've been here uh, since since I found out about the crossover. I subscribe to all of them, so they, I hear that commercial a lot. <laughs> and every single time, I can't help but sing that song. We've only just begun. So. Yeah, now now it's associated with comic books. Certainly forever. Anyways, we're going to be talking about uh, filmmakers who like to connect their works, but not overly like uh, with sequels, but certain elements that like minor recurring characters, shared settings, and fictional products. Um, so I figured uh, there's a few filmmakers I had in mind. Um, that we could talk about and uh, spend a little time on each one, and then maybe if if we if we we tangent or diverge, it's it's okay. Uh, you know that's what we did on our last discussion show, and it turned out pretty well. Um, but I was thinking um, the earliest one I could think of was um, John Hughes. There's probably been ones earlier than that. John Hughes was one of the with, with placing everything in Shermer, uh, basically his fictional town is one of the the earlier ones I could think of for for connecting his films placing them all in the same universe. Um, and, in fact, in the interview, he did indeed confirm that everything he's ever written um, is in the same universe. Thoughts? Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> I think a lot of authors, on some level, think of all of their works as being in the same universe even if it's never stated in story. Yeah. Obviously, course, we uh, have some guys like Del Toro who make it blatant. Right. Of course, the complication is when you get somebody who, um, you know, then has a crossover that links it to other people's works, and then next thing you know, you have, like, two different versions of something existing in the same universe. You know, like uh, John Hughes' Dennis the Menace is meant to take place in the John Hughes universe. It cannot fit in the intelligent crossover universe because the original Dennis the Menace is probably in the... Well, actually, the, the intelligent series, Dennis the Menace, is in the intelligent crossover universe. Uh, and Chris Niger is not with us anymore, <laughs> apparently. That's um, he, just, he just messaged me that he's not with us. So, Does that mean we can uh, talk about it behind the back now? Yeah, man, Chris, what a 
douche. <laughs> I know who's writing stories and getting them published and stuff. But <laughs> what I was saying was um, the Donna Reed show had connected to Dennis DeMennis, um, the TV show. Um, so, like, technically there's two different versions of Dennis DeMennis in the television crossover universe because if John Hughes connects all of his works, then that would place his Dennis the Menace in, too. Uh, I don't accept that, and I place that in an alternate timeline. But uh, but if we're looking at jo- jo- the John Hughes universe, not the television crossover universe, then Dennis the Menace would be, you know, in his, ver- his version of Dennis the Menace would be in. Of course. Yeah, but um, otherwise, um, otherwise, other than that, I mean, I I guess it's the same high school in the same town, um, but John Hughes doesn't hasn't didn't do much else with connections like some of the other directors on, on my list here. Um, as for, I mean, he used a lot of same actors, but they play different characters. Um, Unlike uh, the next guy on my list here, Kevin Smith, who blatantly uses two guys (laughs) uh, to connect all of his works. Uh, Uh, Did he blatantly use two guys, or did he blatantly use one guy and himself? Right. Right. That's a fictional version of himself, Ivan? There he is. Well, I mean, the character Silent Bob is played by Kevin Smith. Oh, so that's basically of you. That was petty of me. Did I hear right? I'm, I know I'm petty sometimes, but I don't think I was this time. Ah, uh, I thought I was. I said I some heard someone say, "Chris, how petty of you." No, no. I said I said we were speaking highly of you. <laughs> highly, yes. Highly dubious. As in, how high you'd like to drop me off uh, uh, a mountain or something, or? <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, I was thinking. <laughs> well, I was thinking basically, you know, if we have, uh, it's nice when we have, um, pr- you know, producers and directors, etc., who basically give us these crossover cues, like how, like um, Howard Hughes did. But I don't know. In, in, in the end of the day, is it the John, same? John Hughes? John, John Hughes. Howard Hughes. <laughs> John Hughes, I'm sorry, I was thinking of the yeah that, that airplane guy in the would be movie maker. Yes, I I, I apologize. Oh, you mean Howard Stark? Good Thank one. You. But is that you know it's, it, if we're not actually getting real crossovers, is it really the same other than just the fun of saying hey yeah that's the same town or it's just to me it's just not the same if we don't get actual crossovers. Not that I didn't like the movies on their own merits. I'm not saying I disliked them for this reason, but it just wasn't as cool as actually seeing, you know, characters from one reprise the role and be the same characters in the other film and meet connect and you know, etc. Well what I like about Well that's Sharon, the thing about uh, what I like about Shermer and that whole gimmick is that, like, all these movies seem to be not related, but you know that these guys were in classes together. 
Like these guys saw each other in the hall. They were in the same cafeteria. You might not have seen that, but you know they went to the same high school at the same time. They were in the same neighborhoods, and they they like they like had interactions. You know, like like there were a lot of people in my high school that I I was involved with, but uh, but only very loosely, like because I saw them or they were in my class. But they had their own stories. You know, they had their own lives, and they didn't know much about what was going on in my life. And that's kind of like how this is how the Shermer thing works. Is like there are all these little stories going on in the same school, the same town. Uh, you know, these people all know each other, but they all have their own little stories. Uh, anyway, that's that's why I think it's neat. Well, everybody has their own stories when you think of it, right? I mean, even characters we never saw or knew about in those, in, but um, was still in the, was nevertheless at the high school. Even every character we saw in passing, they had their stories. We just didn't know what they were. But uh, everybody is the star of their own series in their own head. Right. Yes. Yeah, so it's so that that situation was sort of like me and Lamar Arnold. See, he's a guy I went to high school with who I only spoke to a couple times. So yeah. Well, you figure out. So like with Kevin Smith, uh, you know his movies uh, were were still not not directly linked. Other than I mean, he he linked them through characters and. You know different things like movies and you know and you know uh, you know different elements and, and gimmicks and stuff. But but like chasing Amy Clark, you know they were different stories. It was almost a Shermer thing. And then of course you know uh, John Hughes was an influence on Kevin Smith, um, which which Dogma really played into. But um, you know the the fact is the fact is that. These were all individual stories happening to people who all lived in the same town or the same area, and, and they all knew each other. So, you know, uh, the girl from Clerks happened to be best friends with, with the one girl who, uh, you know, who was in Chasing Amy and the girl who, who died in, in, in uh, Mallrats. But they were all individual stories, and you don't really learn about that from, like, little comments and references and stuff, you know. Jay and Bob, Son of Bob, of course, are the most overt, um, you know, crossover between all of them. Uh, but really, they were minor characters in all but, you know, one of the one of the uh, movies. I would say they were fairly important characters to Dogma. Well, yeah, they they were, and and in fact, in Clerks, <clears throat> they were pretty pretty important too. Well, maybe in Clerks too they were because they really story. But in the uh, original Clerks, they were background. In all rats, they they were pretty significant um, to the plot, or or actually to the subplot. They 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 had their own ongoing subplot in in that. That's Whereas in um, Chasing Amy, they were just a cameo, an important cameo, but still just a cameo. And of course, the one where they are the main characters is Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Right. Well, couldn't we, Rob, say the same thing about like the Hanna Barbera characters? I mean, granted, we did see them together in Yogi's Ark and Laugh Olympics, but when we were watching their own cartoons, we still little did we know they were all inhabiting the same universe, but they had their own stories. Right. I think the difference 
is when they were doing something like Yogi Space Arc or Scooby's All-Star Laugh Olympics, they have a different continuity than their individual shows. The characters are all implied to be the same, but clearly what they do on the one show doesn't affect the other show at all. Scooby-Doo being on a, a team with, you know, I know much. That, that has no bearing at all on Dino Mutt's own continuity, which does include Scooby-Doo, but it, it couldn't really involve the Laugh Olympics. Well, couldn't yeah, they? I mean, never heard Blue Falcon say, say, remember that time I was in, we were in the Olympics? <laughs> okay, they never referenced it, but isn't it possible they still could have found the time, you know, to do the Olympic shows? Maybe it was a spring thing, you know, for two weeks or so, and we just, I mean. Well, that... I found I count it, but the the difference I would say is like um, uh, Mildew Wolf and Jabberjaw and stuff. They were all created as individual series, um, but from the very second film that Kevin Smith did, he he automatic he already had a shared universe going on. And in fact, Mallrats actually came out after Clerks, but takes place uh, a day or two before Clerks. One day before, I believe. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because, uh, you know, there's a specific thing that happens uh, in both movies that are chronologically out of order, and that's intentional. It's been about 20 years. I think you can spoil it for him now. Yeah, oh, you, you think, okay. Yeah, so, the, so in Clark's they go to the funeral of the girl who then, who who dies in, in Mallrats and basically sets up the whole story for Mallrats with her death. Yeah, so... Yeah, so it's like the day before. Uh, yeah, so when we see see Jay and Bob standing outside of, of the Quickie Mart and Clark's, the day before they were disrupting everything at the mall. I'm and, still. Uh, I still have yet to see all of Smith's oeuvre. I I really have to. I mean, I've I saw bits and pieces of them years ago. I really got to go and watch all of them, but I want to do it in chronological order. So I should watch. Mall Rats before Clerks, correct? Well, I would watch you Clerks watch first because it came out first. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't worry about the chronology. Like you'll figure out the chronology as you go along. But I think watching them in the order in which they were released is, is, is probably the better viewing order. Ah, okay, because telling me not to worry about the chronology doesn't mean I am in fact not going to worry about the chronology. I probably still will. So you know. Even though well, you, told you you probably will, but it kind of makes it cooler, like when you watch that and say, "Oh, this happened the day before." You know, I guess it's a difference if you're the type of person who thinks you're going to watch uh, Star Wars four, five, and six first, or the type of person who thinks you're going to watch one, two, and three first. Um, I, I still Why would anybody watch one, two, and three? I don't understand. Huh? Oh, <laughs> why would anybody watch one, two, and three? I'm one of those people who has to oh, confess. My, I did, my son will fight with you on that one. <laughs> I, I did not think I did not think the three prequels, episode one to three, were as bad as so many other people seem to think. I got to confess. I mean, I'm not saying they were of epic scope like the you know episode four to to, to um, six, but I didn't dislike them as much as so many other people do. I, I, I like the prequels myself. Um, you know, there were of course some flaws, but. 
but I, I, I enjoyed the prequels overall. I thought we had some great characters. I mean, they were not going to become as iconic as, you know, the ones we saw in episode four to six, but I still thought a lot of them were cool. Then we had Jar Jar Binks, but, you know, you could try your best to overlook him. But I, but I would say that um, if, getting back to the point, that um, I would recommend that people watch four, five, and six first because the prequels are made under the understanding that people watching them had already seen four, five, and six. And so that when they're foreshadowing stuff, it's, 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 it's not foreshadowing. It's, it's, it's like, ha you already knew this happened, so now we're showing you how it got to that point. So that's why I would argue um, against watching um, Kevin Smith's movies in chronological order for the same reason. When when you watch Small Rats and you're like, oh my God, they mentioned the girl who died in the pool. That's the girl who they went to the funeral at at the last movie. You're, you're supposed to get that joke, like, oh, this takes place the day before. You're supposed to get that. But if you are if you are watching them in chronological order, you know that that's not how they were meant to be watched. It's still I still find it interesting to have a marathon that way just to see if there's some kind of payoff or just, you know, just to read it. And the, payoff, the payoff is in Jane and Silent Bob Strikes Back, especially yeah. the beginning of it. So watch that third as advice. Well, not third. Uh, it, it clerks, mall rats, chasing Amy, and then Jane and Silent Bob Strikes Back. I've had too and many people. Complain about chasing Amy, telling me there wasn't even an Amy in the movie, and then others defend it and say it's an expression. <laughs> yeah, uh, chasing Amy was to me wonderful. Um, uh, it, it was <laughs> so. Quite no Amy in the movie, but it, it, you know it was a romantic comedy, and um, Kevin Smith put his heart into that movie. And he was very sad he did not even get nominated for an Oscar for it. I would argue probably did not deserve an Oscar nomination, um, but he did put his heart into it. What so, is I, Rush Chasing yeah. Inky, though? Could you? I'm just curious. What, I have heard that's an expression. It is. Uh, the, the point. It's, it's a. It's a. It's a love story. A, a man falls in love with a lesbian, and then. Um, and then eventually he went her over because, you know, um, under the premise that, that she wasn't really a lesbian, but she was bisexual. So he, he wins her over, finally gets her to come back to his side, if you will. But then he finds out that she um, um, has quite a sexual past, like that is, like, from her teen years, that is beyond anything that he's ever experienced. And he feels very intimidated by that. And um, and even though she's not like that anymore, he feels he can't live up to um, her expectations, even though even though it's really all in his head. And so the relationship falls apart because he's basically an ass. He's like, I finally got the perfect girl, but he's an ass because he's jealous and stuff like that. Uh, sounds like how I used to be. I, I can relate to the movie, then I'll make a point to see it. That's that. That's kind of why I liked it because it was kind of how I approach relationships, where I 
like all in and like I gotta win this girl over and then when I finally get the girl I screw it up. <laughs> we so, can all we can relate to each other in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And then and then so if you watch all three of those movies, when you watch Jay Son and Bob uh strike back, it's great because they have characters from all of those movies showing up. But but Jay but Kevin Smith uses the same actors over and over again just as John Hughes does. So you have um, the same actors playing different characters from the different movies that they've played in, uh, which is so you see Jason Lee showing up more than once in the movie, playing his character from the various different movies he's been in from Kevin Smith, and yet you can still figure out who is who because you just you know they they make it clear, <laughs> and they play like theme music that relates to whatever the movie they were in, and you know. So it's not confusing, and so it's really it's a really good callback to all the other movies. Awesome cues! Oh, wait, forgot Dogma. Holy crap! How can I forget Dogma? There's four movies and then Jane Silent Bob, and so you have to watch Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, and Dogma, and you'll really like Dogma. Um, and then Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back. I thought Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back came out before Dogma. No, it came out after Dogma, um, and oh yeah, that's right. I forgot because there is that cameo at the very end of Empire of uh, yeah, yeah. James Island Bob Strikes Back plus from movie, Dogma. So, and plus the movie <clears throat> Fast Food Chain was introduced in Dogma, and then plays a significant role in James Island Bob Strikes Back. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. And, and in fact, in the comic book, uh, Chasing Dogma was the storyline, and that might be where you're confused because um, the comic book, uh, Chasing Dogma, is the story that takes place between Chasing Amy and Dogma, but the plot from Chasing Dogma later became Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, So, which makes the comic book and the movie series not fully in canon with each other. Don't you hate when that happens? Yeah. See, that's why our... our you would think a comic guy like Kevin Smith would concern himself a little more with the continuity instead of blowing right. it off and say, oh, that's just a comic book tie-in. I don't have to worry about that. Right. You know, and, and the thing is, like our, our guest from two weeks ago, you know, is basically saying that's a problem. They, uh, when Dave Elliott was on, he was saying, you know, no, if, if, you're, if you're reading comics, that's supposed to be in the same universe as the movies. Then, when you and then you should you should then the movie should also recognize the comic, and uh, especially when they're all written by the same guy. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> I guess a lot of writers just have that assumption that if you cross mediums, it's not necessary to do that. Well, because they because they figure and understandably so that people who will re watch the movies aren't all going to read the comic. And so if, if there's a plot point that was supposed to be in the comic, then, uh, then they're going to miss out. Well, personally, I was pretty ticked off when um, I believe it was, uh, I forgot, I think it was Pocket Books that was publishing the Star Trek novels when the editorial ship, uh, or I should say the collective editorial ship of uh, Pocket Books said that the novels do not have to acknowledge each other. 
and that was it was just a mess. You read one Star Trek The Next Generation book from one author and then one from another, and they were free to contradict each other. And, I mean, I, I, I presume that the editors believed the readers wouldn't care about stuff like that. But come on now. The, the geeks like us, we care about that stuff. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, but it, it's the thing, you know, if you're making movies, you're, you're you're only worried about moviegoers, and that's that's just the way it is, you know. I mean, even with even between TV movies, I mean, Agents of Shield references Avengers all the time, but Avengers never references <laughs> Agents of Shields as much because because the moviegoers, uh, the you know, they're making the movies for people who probably don't watch the TV shows, whereas they're making the TV shows for people that they know definitely watch the movies. Wouldn't you, um, wouldn't you wonder if maybe some of them would think, you know, maybe if we highlight one of the TV characters in the movie, that would create more interest in the in the TV series from the moviegoers. I mean, is that illogical to think, or why am I the? I can't be the first person to ever think of that. Well, you know, You're that's the first person oh. to ever think of that. Well, that's a yeah, the main character would just put out there from the movie. But, but I, I just did. The cat is out of the bag now. So maybe you know, a, a lot of those, uh, you know. Uh, Marvel Studios executives were listening to our show, you know, come on now, bring some of the TV characters into the movie. Let's see Daredevil make a guest star in um, Avengers Infinity. Come on now. I, I, I feel like that's going to happen um, because... Um, I just said it. The end of the series. Well, it's gonna be the end of the series. isn't there already a plan for a Defenders TV show that's going to unite all the TV show characters, or at least some of the TV I, show characters? All the Netflix uh, um, street-level characters, yes. So why can't the def- those that Defenders team get a cameo in one of the one of the two Avengers Infinity movies? That would be uh, well. What that- I'm saying is, I'm pretty sure that that is in the pl- the works. That there will be a cameo by the TV version of the Defenders in one of the movies. Well, I never but- heard that yet. I I, I know yeah. that. Um, Vincent Donfronio, isn't that the name of the guy who plays the kingpin on Daredevil? He's, um, did I pronounce his, his last name right? I hope so. I apologize to him if I didn't. But he has expressed an interest in reprising the role of the kingpin in a future Spider-Man movie. So, you know, that would be another keg of awesome sauce. And that, and that would make sense, you know, since he is a Spider-Man villain. If he started but, um, as a Spider-Man villain, yeah. Uh, Infinity War is going to be the grand finale. And, and, and it's my understanding they're not going to, I mean, they're going to have Rocket Raccoon <laughs> in it. So, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's definitely going to be like the, you know, okay, now we can have the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in and and and, uh, and stuff. And I, 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 feel, I, I feel that um, Peggy Carter will be in it as well um, because of the time gem. Unfortunately, they, it was just announced that Agent Carter has been canceled. Doesn't mean she can't come back. Uh, that was weeks no. ago by the time this episode airs. Yes. And uh, it's... it's um, I know Clark Gregg has expressed many times he would love to make a cameo as as um Phil Coulson on one of the Netflix shows. Just to, you know, connect him to the, to the shows on ABC. And I'd, I'd like to see that. Well, there's already been some connections between ABC and Netflix. Um, 
and the films. Uh, Roxanne Oil Company has been featured on both uh, Peggy Carter and um, in some of the films and on Daredevil. Um, and yeah. also uh, Daredevil and Sky went to the same orphanage as kids. And, and I see, I didn't catch these things. I, I didn't know Peggy Carter made any kind of appearance or got any kind of reference on Daredevil. I need to re-watch the series. Rock, Rocks and Oil Company featured heavily into the second season of Agent Carter and the second season of Daredevil. Um, and also um, a few of the, the, the movies, so... Well, we already we already got a, a a large portion of Luke Cage and and uh, Jessica Jessica Jones, and I look forward to his own series. Are we gonna, will we get cameos of Danny Rand? And in Jessica Jones, they reference that the the government um, keeps a list of all the metahumans, and sometimes they abduct them and and put them away somewhere, and that's exactly what was going on in Age of the Shield. So. With the Inhumans, especially now that they're emerging, and you know, right. I wonder, how, yeah, how the big screen version of the Inhumans. I mean, I, I heard it's slated to feature the royal family, but I, I have some people saying that I, you know, in articles, there's no way it's going to connect in any way to Agents of Shield. And I'm like, how can it not? So I, I don't want to, I don't want to get too much more into this, only because we're going to spend the next two weeks talking about um, superhero movies, superhero shows. And I know we can get excited and get into, <laughs> get into it a lot. Um, but I wanted to stay focused on what we're discussing today so that when I advertise to people that you should come watch the show for this, that they don't come in like, what the bleep is going on? <laughs> oh, but uh, shame uh, on the tangent, the tangent starter. Yeah, no worries. No, no worries, though. But, um, yeah. So, um... Tarantino? Yeah, Tarantino. Um, Tarantino is awesome. <laughs> he loves crossovers. He has said so in interviews that he is one of us. He is a crossoverist. He's never used that word, but um, I'm hoping to eventually make that mainstream enough that he will do so. <laughs> Can we get him on our show as a guest? Maybe we could introduce it to him. Like, he, he's, somebody who, he's somebody who really ascribes to, like, same actor theory, same name theory, all those, all those, all those TBCU quirks that uh, that people always throw out there. Uh, you know, Tarantino is one of those guys. Like, sure, why not? <laughs> now he's actually given us some genealogical um, crossovers, correct? Right, right. When he uses the same last name, that means something. When he uses the same last name for characters. Uh, and, though, and his movies are not in chronological order either. And sometimes you have to, um, when he has recurring characters showing up, that those are that kind of gives you some of the hints of what order things take. And especially if somebody's been killed and then they show up in another movie, then you're like, oh, those movies are not in order. Well, I've heard somewhat. Isn't there a character in Reservoir Dogs who is... Uh the offspring of um, the Jew bear from uh, um, Inglorious Bastards. I heard something like that. Or was this in another movie that his his offspring um, later came to prominence as some kind of a mob guy or something? Or is this Pulp Fiction rather than Reservoir Dogs? 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Meaning, meaning characters from uh, both of those movies are are, are offspring. Uh, uh, they're supposed to be brothers, I believe, um, that are offspring of of the guy from Inglorious Bastards. Yes. And of what? course, go on. Uh, of course, he uses a lot of recurring characters and a lot of a lot of um, a lot of products. Uh, a lot of fictional products. Specifically, all cigarettes. Yeah. What brand of cigarettes is it? Red Apple. Red Apple. Red Apple cigarettes. It's got big Kahuna burgers. Shows up a lot. And uh, you know, e- even some of his other films, uh, even other films and, and stories, sometimes use use some of his crossover products. To place themselves in the Tarantino universe, um, Romy and Michelle's high school reunion, which is not a Tarantino movie, uh, <laughs> is uh, uh, connected to the Tarantino universe through um, the use of red apple cigarettes and big Kahuna burgers. So that that's a bona fide genre crossover there. Yeah, because it's it's definitely not Tarantino style of of movie whatsoever. Uh, interestingly, there's a movie called um, uh, Curdled, I believe it is, um, that is also not a Tarantino movie, um, but it, it feature it, it makes reference it makes references to um, um, a vampire movie um, from Dust Till Dawn as having actually happened. It shows news footage and it shows shows. Um, the characters, <laughs> and they which the name I'm sorry, which film is this again? Uh, uh, oh, I'm uh, not familiar with that film. Is that, is that a Tarantino verse film? Because I'm I'm not familiar with it. I must confess. Curdled um, is not is not in uh, is not a Tarantino film, but. Um, he uses the same actor playing the same reporter that was in From Dusk Till Dawn, Ke- uh, Kelly Hogue, H-O-U-G-E. Um, and, and, in, in, and in a news story on the TV in Curdled, um, she's talking about the pursuit of those two criminals in the events. And even show, you can see Quentin, the pictures of Quentin Tarantino and... Um, and um, um, what's his name? The other actor. Holy crap! Um, he was the worst Batman. You know who I'm talking about? George Clooney. Yeah, it shows it shows them playing the characters on the on the the TV um, in the in the background in the news in the news story. So this this movie Curdled, which is about a crime scene cleaner who falls in love with a serial killer. Um, um, is in the same universe as From Dusk Till Dawn, but um, it's not a Tarantino film. Well, you know what's interesting about that? We're not only getting yet another genre crossover, but we're getting, um, what can we call it, crossovers between sub-universes, like the Tarantino-verse and some other verse? You know, well, it's... like Tar- Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez. Okay, it's called Robert. the Rodriguez-verse. So e- even though those are 
what could we call them? Sub-universes that inhabit a single reality or take place? Uh, another, another, another fellow we know who writes a lot of um, fiction named uh, Winscott Eckert also uses red apple cigarettes a lot in his stories, um, place, placing his, his um, universe within the same universe as Tarantino's. And that's all. Awesome. Well. As curator of the crossover universe, he's done that. Wynn has, has done some excellent stuff with that, bringing in. And his successor, um, Sean Levin, has also done it in bringing. In terms of bringing. What can we, did I just coin a term sub universes into a single universe? Like Tarantino verse, the King verse, uh, right. Warren verse. I had to say that, sorry, et cetera, et cetera. Oh. So anyways, I, I just looked it up I, on the Television Crossover Universe website, uh, plug, um, Inglorious Bastards, Donnie Donowitz is the father of Lee Donowitz from True Romance. That, okay. so, uh, actually, ah, that's the one, True Romance. That was the one, yes. The one a lot of people failed to um, consider a Tarantino verse movie a lot. Because I guess that that's not for some reason a lot of people say that that they even though it's a Tarantino film they don't include it in the Tarantino verse. I mean I I think I, I'm not sure why I don't recall why that is but I read something about that one time that it was just maybe because he worked with a different director or something or for that movie than he did others or can someone one can some one of you guys tell me what I'm getting at here or am I just ranting off? You're just ranting. I thought you were just ranting. Yeah, I knew it was coming. Okay. I've heard people say they don't consider it a real love story, but I've never heard anyone say they don't consider it part of the Tarantino universe. Something because he worked with the something I read because he worked director or different screenwriter. But but needless to say, I mean, so yeah, that's cool about the TV crossover universe because uh, um. Does the TV crossover universe not um, bring in many sub-universes? Bring in what? Bring in other sub-universes? Yeah, sub-universes. Like not only the Tarantino-verse, but also the King-verse. Because he's had like uh, TV movies that could be incorporated of some of his books. Well, we do. Well, we do. We we absolutely do. But we we still tend to to look at it crossover by crossover, um, you know, uh, when, when we're doing it. Because not not everybody brings in all of their works in their universe to crossovers, even if they might have an implied, you know, like every writer wants to place everything in the same universe, but they don't always demonstrate it. It's the ones who demonstrate it that, you know, said, of course. And that's us. Awesome. Yeah. That means we I, got Simpsons, too. Yeah, well, the Simpsons are a thing. You want to know how the Simpsons fit in the TVCU? Read Walls of Mythology Volume One by Robbie Ronsky Jr. It's a, it's a pretty good read. Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I look at Django Unchained is connected because um, um, the grave that um, the bride is buried in in Kill Bill is seen in Django Unchained. And, of course, Django shows up in A Million Days to Die in the West, which is not a Tarantino film. And he also just had a crossover with Zorro in the comics. 
In the comics, yeah. I mean, did, did, can we incorporate that? I mean, that'd be another cro- medium um, medium crossover. I think we could do that. And, well, and we'll, the problem there is I don't think that crossover is consistent with other Zorro appearances. Yeah, so, well, it's probably not that these the, the Zorro. It's probably a Zorro. <laughs> right. Within the Tarantino-verse, it is the Zorro. But as right. far as the TVCU goes, it is just a Zorro. And that's actually a good thing to discuss. Like, um, like the television crossover universe has to consider everything that's linked. And sometimes we have to explain away things. Like we were talking earlier, oh, you, maybe, maybe Chris, you weren't with us when we were talking about Dennis the Menace. Uh, but John, John, in the John Hughes universe, his version of Dennis the Menace from the 90s is in the John Hughes universe. But in the television crossover universe, while most of John Hughes' work is in the television crossover universe, the, the Dennis the Menace from the television series that crossed over with Donna Reed show is the television crossover universe. So his so John Hughes' Dennis the Menace has to be in the Divergent timeline. Um, so the same thing would be with Zorro. Like, that version of Zorro in that comic is in the Tarantino universe. That's the Zorro. But for the television crossover universe, it can't be the Zorro. Um, so, so even if we, when we incorporate in you know, like sub universes, we still have to have our our own um, thing. Like the Buffy verse, you know, the Buffy verse. Um, all of the comic books are, are, are canon within Joss Whedon's Buffy verse, but uh, they can't all be canon within the TV series because you know. Uh, Vampires having reality shows and stuff just doesn't work <laughs> in a universe where, where most people don't know that vampires exist. So that was a Dennis the Menace then from the, um, the Hughes um, in Hughes continuity, or could it be incorporated as some someone else entirely? No, I don't think so because I, I think oh. one of the, the yeah the TV crossover universes what you see on screen is exactly what you got. Correct? Well. We, we Unless there's a good him. reason, an uh, in-story reason to justify a change. See, see, there are stories written that have shown generational Zoros. So, so because of that, there's evidence to, to present that this might not be the original Zoro and would be another Zoro. Um, there's not a generational Dennis the Menace theory out there that's been published and printed um, to support there being... Uh, multiple exact same scenarios in different time periods of Dennis and Mr. Wilson and all of that. that. So that's when we use... Are you sure there wasn't a soul clone theory that included Dennis the Menace? No. (laughs) (laughs) At least we got it Archie. You know, we uh, we, we have good published evidence of multiple Archies over different timelines that all come together, but that's... Everyone reads... Read Life with Archie to, to understand that one. Too complicated to go in here, but yeah, we have that. But, but, but basically, that it goes down to, um, you know, for, for, for certain heroes, we, we use the generational theory because there's some evidence out there to support it. But most remakes and reboots end up sliding to a divergent timeline. Uh, most popularly, I use TVCU2, uh, which is very unoriginal, but it works. Uh, for most reboots and remakes, and then if it happens to have another reboot or remake, I use the original term TVCU3 or TVCU4. 
long as it's easy to follow, that's better. Right, right. Um, so that's how we use that. Um, by the way, we're actually just about out of time. Um, Darn the luck. Actually, this was a pretty good discussion. Uh, we didn't get yeah. to Guillermo del Toro, though, but um, that's all right. James wasn't here, and I would have rather have him here for that anyways. Um, but I thought this was a good discussion. And uh, so we're going to go to commercial, and when we come back, I'm just going to uh, wrap up and say what we're going to do next week. So we'll be right back. Excellent. about all the time we've got for uh, this week. Uh, join us next week when we'll be doing another discussion episode. And this time it's going to be a two-parter. Um, so in part one, uh, which will be next week, we're going to be reviewing and comparing Batman v Superman to Civil War with lots of spoilers, so be aware. Um, and then the week after, in part two, we're going to be expanding to compare and contrast Marvel and DC in film and TV in a more general way. Um, because, you know, once you get started with talking about that, maybe Superman and Civil War, you got to go into all the rest. Um, so that's going to be our first two-part episode, um, which will be um, actually the, 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 the last episode of our, our first six months and the first episode of our second six months. So that's pretty cool. Uh, before we end, I want to thank our sponsor, Wolfram and Hart, and I'd also like to thank our mysterious benefactor, and a special thanks to Tiny White and the Deadites for our show theme music, Leaf on a Stream. Thanks to all who listen. Remember to subscribe to and rate our show on iTunes. And as always, everything happens somewhere. Good night. <laughs>